1: فتلقى آدم من ربه كلمات فتاب عليه إنه هو التواب الرحيم قلنا اهبطوا منها جميعا فإما يأتينكم مني هدا فمن تبع هدايا فلا خوف عليهم ولا هم يحزنون والذين كفروا وكذبوا بآياتنا أولئك أصحاب النار هم فيها خالدون رب الشحل الصدر ويسلِي أمره وحذ العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي فالحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين ثم ما بعد ونسجنا بيوانا السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته. we moving along with the story of Adam عليه السلام. the last thing we learned was that
0: he was sent back towards the earth. And Allah Azza wa Jal,
1: uh, you know, uh, He said to him, He said to all of them, descend from here together, And uh, that you are going to be enemies to one another.
0: Actually, not the word jami'an before, but you know, you're, you're all going to be enemies to, to each other. That you're going to have a place to relax for a little bit and find coolness and find stationary, uh, you know, rest for a little bit. And utilities to enjoy and to take advantage of until a temporary time. That was the injunction about the earth. You'll notice I'll highlight once again that you don't see anger of Allah in these words. You don't see a wrath of Allah. You don't see that you are going to live a cursed existence on the earth. This is very different from the Christian narrative, the Jewish narrative of what God did to humanity when He sent them on the earth. So Allah Azza wa Jalla did not. Not only is He merciful towards Adam عليه السلام. And he's actually giving him an opportunity to start fresh on the earth. Uh, by extension, he's giving that opportunity to all of us. Now Allah describes what happens on the earth. Adam السلام, we were told about him, Fa kalimat. Each one of these words deserves attention. The fa in the beginning of this ayah,
1: Imam Ibn Ashur Rahimahullah at he mentioned something brilliant. He says, Ja'a fa idanan bi Adam bi
0: in the fa indicates that Adam salam was so eager and so desperate to seek Allah's forgiveness the moment he got here. You know, there's a, there's a certain quality that decent people have. Decent people, if they everybody makes mistakes, but decent people when they make a mistake, their guilt overruns them. It overwhelms them. And they want to make sure they make up for that mistake. As opposed to this, not very decent people make all kinds of mistakes but feel no guilt. As a matter of fact, if you remind them that they're guilty, they get upset at you. Like you're guilty for reminding them, you know. This is actually one of the salient qualities of prophets. Prophets, even when they do a good job, as a matter of fact. Rasulullah ﷺ is doing the best job any human being can ever do. And he still feels like, maybe I'm not doing enough. And he's worried that maybe there's some shortcoming on his part, and that's why the people of Makkah are not listening to me. Maybe I could have done this better. Maybe I could have preached the message better. Maybe I could have carried it better. Maybe there was an opportunity I didn't take advantage of. And Allah constantly has to remind the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi that he has to take it easy. He's doing his part. They're not. They're just. That's the way they are. Are you going to kill yourself in grief over the consequences of their actions? Don't overwhelm yourself. You're doing your part. So part of decency is to actually. Not only be ashamed or be worried when you're doing a, a mistake, but actually even be worried when you're doing a good job. Am I doing good enough? Even look at the legacy of Ibrahim as he's building the Kaaba. One of the most noble acts that's ever been done is to build the Kaaba. Every prayer that's ever been prayed since, he has a share in the good deed. And as he's building it, he's worried if it's good enough or not. So he says, رَبَّنَا تَقَبَّلْ مِنَّا إِنَّكَ أَنْتَ السَّمِيعُ الْعَلِيمُ And you know he adds, وَتُوبْ عَلَيْنَا He's making tawbah. First he says, O oh Allah, accept from us. Obviously, Allah has accepted him over all of humanity at the time, making him an imam to make him build a Kaaba. And on top of that, as he's building it, he's asking Allah, Ya Allah, accept our repentance. What sin has, has Ibrahim salam done that he's making tawbah? His tawbah is actually, Ya Allah, maybe I didn't put a brick in the right way. Maybe I didn't do a good enough job at constructing this. Maybe there's some shortcoming as, as a human being. Ya Allah, overlook those and accept my tawbah. SubhanAllah. That's the humility of you know, noble people. So, "fatilqa fa suggests that he was in a hurry to seek that forgiveness. He wasn't reluctant, and that's a powerful lesson for all of us. Also, when we make a mistake, shaitan comes to us and says, "Listen, you're a disgusting human being. How could you have done that? Now, what face are you going to take before Allah and apologize? You should be ashamed of yourself." He takes advantage of a human tendency that we have, that when we embarrass ourselves before someone, if, you're, if you've embarrassed yourself or disappointed your teacher, or if you disappointed your parents, if you disappointed an elder, if you dis- disappointed your boss, you avoid eye contact, right? You don't like see them face to face, or if you relate late to class three, four days, you decide maybe I shouldn't even show up, man. I don't know how I can show my face to the professor now. Because even just him looking at me is gonna kill me, he's gonna melt me, you know? Or if you fail a test, and you, you, you're humiliated, you don't even know what face to show before your teacher. Or same thing with a boss, if you've been embarrassed before your boss, you avoid eye contact. So shaitan uses this tendency of shame, and what does he do? Well, we disobey Allah, we disappoint Allah, and he trying to, tries to get us to delay our istighfar. Because to make istighfar, you have to talk to Allah. You have to turn back to Allah and face Him, and say, Ya Allah, I messed up right and so he he actually uses that to our to his advantage and delays istighfar from us the fa in the ayah suggests that uh, uh, you know adam had no hesitation to turn back to allah immediately but the fa also suggests something else it suggests that allah azza jal delivered these words to him quickly allah did not let adam suffer on the earth for a long time and said, basically, you ate from that tree, I'm going to make you squirm, and I'm going to make you suffer, and eventually I'll see, I'll think about forgiving you. You know, sometimes there are people in a position of authority, when it comes to forgiving, they feel like, no, I really need to teach this guy a lesson. So they delay the gratification of, you know, letting the the child or the student or the employee know that they're forgiven, right? And they they delay that gratification, so the child keeps saying, sorry, 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 no, I don't want to talk to you even though they've already forgiven, they're like, no, no, but he or she needs to suffer a little bit more before I let them know that things are okay. You might even do that among your friends. It's actually a sunnah of Allah, that when a person, when, when the slave turns to Allah and apologizes, and, and, and turns to Allah in shame, then Allah does not delay in giving him the opportunity. The words actually came very quickly that Allah delivered to him. So now that's a little bit about tafah the but then I'll translate this first phrase for you, so you get a picture of what's being said. Allah says, فَتَلَقَىٰ آدَمُ مِن رَبِّهِ كَلِمَاتٍ That Adam i I'll roughly translate, Adam salam came into contact with words from his master. He came into contact with words for his master. Strange language. Allah Azza could have said, just like he taught before, عَلَّمَا آدَمَ Asma, Allah taught Adam the names. But he doesn't say Allah عَلَّمَا آدَمَ الْكَلِمَاتِ Allah taught Adam salam the name, so he accepted his tawbah. He said he came into contact with these names, or he was brought into contact with these names. The verb talāki is used, which is a strange verb to use in this context. It's part of the unique style of the Qur'an. And it suggests something. So let's read a little bit about this word. wa al This word is used when you greet someone with joy, when you welcome someone. You know, like there's sometimes a greeting party at an airport, and there everybody's hugging and taking pictures and all of that. That's actually talaqi. So, in the Arabic language, the word, the verb is, for, for those of you that don't know a little bit of sarf or a little bit of morphology of the Arabic language, the, the verb is laqiya. Laqiya means to meet. And Ibn Ashur will go on. I won't take time to read the Arabic because you won't understand it anyway. Then I'll have to translate. I'll summarize it for you. Lakiya means to meet in any context. It could be you meant to meet, bi qasd, or bi You meant to meet someone or you didn't meet someone. Like you ran into someone in the street, or you met someone, happened to meet someone at the office, or something like that. This is laqiyah. Then the next, and it could be good or bad, by the way. It could be good or bad. So, إِذَا لَقِيتُمُ اللَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا فَضَرْبَ الرقاب. In Surah, uh, uh, Surah Muhammad, when you meet the enemy, that's not a good thing. Meeting the enemy, meaning meeting the enemy in battle. Then another version of this is laqa yulaki, and laqa yulaki is not done in a good context. It's actually done when one party is responsible towards the other, or in, in somehow is actually in a position of being answerable. So annahum mulaku rabbihim wa annahum رَاجِعُونَ This This kind of come later on that you know there are people who are absolutely convinced that they're going to be meeting with their master. When we meet Allah on Judgment Day, then we're answerable to Allah. So laqa is used. But تَلَقَّ is used in the Qur'an when angels come and greet the believer at his death. Or even in heaven, the angels come and greet you. They don't, they don't just meet you, they meet and greet you. So the word تَلَقَّ in this beginning of the ayah, فَتَلَقَّ آدَمُ مِنْ رَبِّهِ كَلِمَاتٍ Adam met and greeted words that came from his master. You know what that tells you? It tells you quite explicitly that these words were not harsh words. That the words that Allah gave him were not words of punishment, were not not zajr, were not a scolding, were not iqab, were not itab, they're not punishment, they're not like, you know, retribution, they're not words of anger, they're not words of warning. Because nobody gets threatened or tahdeed or, you know, warned or, 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 you know, scared and then they say, ah, I love these words. Nobody does that. But when you're given words of hope, when you're given words of consolation, when you're given words, it's okay, let's start over again, he, you know, I'm not holding the p- past mistakes against you. Those are words that you meet with joy, and so the joy of Adam alayhi salam is captured inside the words talqa. So fatalqa Adamu min Rabbihi kalimat, and actually, interestingly enough, the grammar expects us to say kalimatin min Rabbihi. Adamu kalimatin min Rabbihi, li kalimat The min Rabbihi means words from his master, and that's how I translated it: words from his master. But tamir what's, rabbihi, what's called in Arabic is muqaddam. Now what does that do? It actually suggests something very powerful. Allah gave him a kind of joy with these words that could only have come from Allah. There's an implication here that the words of Allah carry a happiness, carry a tranquility, carry a greeting in them that no words from any loved one can ever give you. It's an ishara in the Qur'an towards the power of revelation and the kind of joy it brings to the human spirit. Allah عز wa for example says, فَبِذَلِكَ فَلْيَفْرَحُوا هُوَ خَيْرٌ مِمَّا يَجْمَعُونَ Because of this Qur'an and only because of that, they should be filled with joy. They should be overwhelmed with joy. You know the word "farah" in, in Qur'an, very rarely used. Very rarely does Allah talk about being overwhelmed with happiness. And actually in one context, it's not even used in a good place. لَا تَفْرَحْ إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يُحِبُّ It's actually used for Karun who used to get overly happy when he saw his piles of wealth, like his eyes turned into dollar signs and stuff. And the like, ka like that. And he looked like, <laughs> like that's what he looked like. And people said, don't be happy like that. Allah doesn't like that. People often don't understand that ayah, and they mistranslate it, and they misinterpret it, and assume Allah is saying, don't be happy. Allah doesn't like happy, happy people. <laughs> so like people are having a good time at Eid, and some guy walks in who's like, Learned a little bit of half of seed. I don't know where he got it from. He's like latafrahin, Allah lahu al That's not what it means. It means when you're looking at your wealth, your material gains, and you're like, you know, you've got that evil bad guy laugh going on because you're, you know, you're so happy about your money. That's that's not acceptable to Allah. That's not a good thing to do. Okay, you know how like if you've seen, for example, um, people who win at a slot machine in like Vegas or Atlantic City or something, and the coins start coming out, and they're like. You know that 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 that's latafrah inna but in in what context are you supposed to be? It's okay for you to be overwhelmed with joy, like you're just ecstatic. You can't contain yourself. That's actually the word of Allah. On the side, I want to share with you. This is a very powerful, very powerful feature of the Quran. Its power to change sadness to joy. The the, the Quran's power to change sadness to joy. Quran is not just teachings about. God being one, or there's a day of judgment, or here's halal and here's haram, and that's it. Human beings in this life, we suffer, or or not suffer, we experience a range of emotions. Actually, a lot of our life is running after one emotion or another. A lot of things you do are running after happiness, or running after satisfaction, or running after somebody else's happiness. You want to make your parents proud, you want to make your family proud, you want to make your children happy. So much of our life is run by these emotions you know and the, what what you know in our in our literature in our, in our constitutional literature even you find the pursuit of happiness what a fundamental thing to the human you know human quest you know why do people want to move to a certain country why do they want their children to get an education the the most common answer is you know we're going to have this and this and this and we will have happier days we'll have better days we'll have reason to smile you know and so this idea of how does the quran impact happiness i'll just give you one quick example of that and then inshallah ta'ala keep on going. That is that, um, um, actually it's my favorite example, is of, uh, of Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Uh, Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu, when, when the treaty of Hudaybiyyah happened, everybody was really upset. I mean, the Sahaba were, I could argue that the Sahaba have never been more upset than that day, than the day of Hudaybiyyah. And especially because of what happens with Abu Jandal, you know, they're making negotiations, And the Quraysh say, look, if any of your Muslims run away from Mecca, and they run off, and they come to Medina, you better send them back. So that's part of our treaty. If you want a peace treaty, that's how it's gonna work. And we're like, how can... even the Sahaba, you know, I told you before, when you hear something blasphemous, the Muslim psyche is to say, subhanallah. Subhanallah, nowadays, Desis especially, when they see something nice, like subhanallah, mashallah, that's But subhanAllah, back in the day, is actually when something like horrible is going on, you're like, subhanAllah! Meaning, oh my God, this is horrible, this is blasphemous, how can we accept this? When they proposed that clause, that a Muslim will run away from Mecca, and you will have to send him back, the Sahaba started screaming, the Prophet hasn't even signed it, yes, subhanAllah, subhanAllah! And as this is being discussed, Abu Jandal, who was actually hidden in a dungeon, in Makkah, used to be chained and beat regularly by his father because he became Muslim. And his father was the one negotiating the treaty. He, he got out of those chains somehow, cut up, bruised, you know, beat up this, this torture slave, this torture prisoner, got out of there, somehow found the Muslims, somehow escaped Mecca and reached them right there. And the Prophet ﷺ has to sign that treaty. And he says, can we just at least have him? And the father says, no. If you want him, this deal is off. And so they signed the deal. And the Sahaba are just, they're losing it. Because Abu Jandal himself is crying. He, he saw the Muslims and he's like, I made it, I made it, I'm out. And now they have to send him back. And now they're all watching as they're, they're helpless. As they're watching their own brother being taken back. And now at least the deal is he won't be tortured. But they can't trust that. You know. So the Sahaba are just overwhelmed with grief. They're overwhelmed with grief. And when they're going back, and there's so many other reasons to be grieved in that journey, I'll summarize. When they're going back, Umar radiallahu anhu, you know he has a lot of gheera, he has a lot of self-respect and dignity for Islam. So when Muslims were signing this treaty, and Rasul ﷺ was signing off on it, that has every clause against the Muslims, he actually raised his voice. He got upset. You know, and he even asked the Prophet ﷺ, didn't you see a dream that we're gonna make hajj this year? Are, they on the, are we not on the truth? Why do we have to accept this humiliation? He got upset. And Rasul didn't say anything. He didn't say anything. And Abu, Umar was still not satisfied. His anger still hadn't calmed down. So he went to Abu Bakr and said, Didn't he say we're going to make Hajj this year? And Abu Bakr said, You better know your place. <laughs> you better calm down. Because if you keep this up, any good thing you've ever done will be taken away from you, all of your good deeds will be gone. Watch yourself, so Umar radhiAllahu anhu calms down. Now they're traveling back, and Umar when the when the temper you know when the temperature descends a little bit, then you realize you were out of line. So Umar anhu just kind of moves his. He was in the back camel. Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam is in the front of the caravan. He speeds up his camel. He comes up to Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi Can I talk to you? Rasulullah sallam doesn't even look up at him, and he slows his car down, and you know. And then he speeds up his motorcycle and comes back up. Can I talk to you? And then no, he slows down again. The third time, Rasul doesn't even, doesn't even look up at him. And he pulls back and he says, Omar's destroyed, I am done. He was so depressed. And then not a few moments later, a sahabi came to him and said, Rasulullah is calling you. And he was horrified. خَشِيطُ <laughs> قُرْآنٌ he said, I was terrified, maybe some ayat came against me. And when I go, Rasulullah is gonna recite that Qur'an on me. I was horrified. So he goes up to Rasulullah says, I, mean, I wanted you to understand this scene because everybody's depressed. Everybody sat in this scene. And he goes up to Rasulullah and he says, I saw a smile on his face I have never seen in my life. And he said it was brighter than the sun. His smile could light up the earth. He used these kinds of expressions. And he says, and Rasulullah SAW calls him close. And he calls him close. And Allah had revealed Surah Al-Fath to Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And he recites the entire Surah to him. And the Surah begins with, it is victory. Like, Inna fatahna laka No doubt we have given you an open, clear, unequivocal, undisputed victory. Allah bin al-Khattab, he listens to the whole Surah, 29 ayat, 4 pages, and his head is still spinning about the first ayah. Because the first ayah says what? This is what? Victory. So when the Rasul Sallallahu is done reciting the entire surah, he says, أَفَتْحٌ is, is that really victory? Are you serious? That's victory? And Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi answers, Yes it is. And then, Umar bin al-Khattab, in a split second, is overjoyed. Now he's overly happy. What changed? They still made a negotiation, they still have POWs back in Mecca, they still have a humiliating treaty, nothing physically has changed. Their political situation hasn't changed, their economic situation hasn't changed, their psychological state should not have changed. The only thing that's changed is kalimatin. Kalimatin, just words from Allah. And their entire emotional state completely transformed. Completely transformed. And that's part of what we're learning here. Adam Salam has just left Jannah, and he's on the earth. Even though we know now that it's not a punishment, it's part of his test. We know now that this is part of his journey. But he doesn't see it that way. He himself is gonna think I'm being punished, and I don't deserve Jannah, and I've been thrown on the earth. And yet, even after leaving Jannah, and and there's no worse demotion, like you're, you're being demoted from the heavens to the earth, there's no more depressing a move than that. And yet these words come and he receives them with joy. That's the that's the that's the power of these words. Adam Uma Rabbihi. Adam alayhi came into contact, joy received joyously the words that came. It can only have come from his master. The other interesting thing Ibn Kathir rahimahullah his recitation of this ayah is a little bit different. There are qiraat in the Qur'an, there are some harakat that are recited differently by different Qur'an, and they still all make sense and they're all considered part of revelation. So his reading is Fataba So the kalimat is actually the fa'il of the fi'l. Now what does that mean for the rest of us who don't know what that means, what, what that what I just said? What that means is the words of Allah received Adam alayhi salam lovingly. It's not just that Adam alayhi salam welcomed the words, but it's also that the words of Allah welcomed Adam. Subhanallah. And you know, talakki comes also in the meaning of catching something that falls. It's as though Allah is saying the words of Allah caught Adam alayhi salam before he could fall. So beautiful. فَتَلَقَى أَدَمَ مِنْ رَبِّهِ كَلِمَاتٌ And if there was any doubt left that these words are supposed to be those, whatever those, because Allah didn't say what those words are. But whatever those words are, certainly are words that filled him with hope. How do we know that? Because the immediate next words are alayhi bilfa." If if you know, if, if those words were full, not full of hope, why would Allah say immediately after them? And therefore Allah accepted his repentance. Allah turned lovingly back towards Adam alayhi alayhi. As a matter of fact, from what I can understand in the Quran. Uh, Taba'ala is a unique usage of the Qur'an. The word Taba typically comes with Ila. But what Allah does in His Qur'an is Taba'ila is used for human beings and Taba'ala is used for Allah Azza wa So we are Tawwab also, Allah is Tawwab also. allah yuhibbu at-tawabin. أَتَّوَّابِينَ We're Tawwab. We make Tawbah over and over again, that means we are Tawwab. Allah is also tawab because He accepts Tawbah over and over again. So that's one of the names of Allah. In هُوَ التَّوَّابُ الرحيم. That's a name we share with Allah, but they have two opposite meanings. How do we know the difference? One comes with Allah, the other comes with Ilah. Ilah means we turn towards Allah, but Allah means when someone turns on to someone, and you can only turn on to someone from above. So it's appropriate for Allah that He says Ta'ba Allah, and we look up towards Him. So it's Ta'ba Ilah. So it's actually the humility of the slave in Ta'uba illallah. and it's the power and the grandeur of Allah that He looks down onto the slave with mercy. You know, attawbatu ala al-abd. So, fataba alayhi, he turned back onto him with mercy. In other words, Allah is describing this image. You know when someone's upset with you, they don't even look at you? They turn their face away from you? And Allah is saying, I gave him these words. And then I turned back my face towards him. I turned back towards him. Taba alayhi. Literally, Ta'ba' alayhi, to turn your face towards someone. To turn back towards someone lovingly. And Allah says, I restored my relationship with him in case he was feeling something. How do we know where we stand with Allah? We don't know without the Word of Allah. The Word of Allah is the only hope a human being has. Wallahi, sometimes there are people who come up to me, and they're so lost of hope. They're so like, Allah is gonna punish me. I'm a horrible person. I have made a terrible mistake. There's no way Allah is gonna forgive me. And all I do is I share an ayah with them. Just an ayah. Just the two ayat Here, here. And you know what's happened a lot of times? They don't even believe it's an ayah. Like they're like, wait, Allah is this merciful? You seriously, Allah forgive me? Seriously? No, no, no. Can, can you show me where this is? Then I'll show them. But I don't know Arabic. Can you show me a translation? I was like, I don't know where I get you a translation from. Let's look it up online. Is that what it really means? Yeah, that's what it really means. You know why? Because we've fed each other. Unfortunately, one of the worst injustices we've done to each other is we've painted a picture of God to each other. A depiction of Allah to each other that is so far from the Qur'an. We are so quick to say, Allah will throw you in Jahannam. Allah will punish you. Allah hates you. I pray to Allah that He does justice on you. (laughs) What are you doing? And we've heard these spiteful words from each other, calling on God as the executor of punishments, as the taker of revenge, as the thrower of people in hell. This has been said so much to us that our psyche has become such that we're terrified of Allah, and we don't think of Him as someone who will have love, mercy, and who loves to forgive, and He loves for you to come back towards Him. Man, Adam salam was given only one commandment. One commandment. He can't even argue, Ya Allah, times were tough, I had nowhere else to eat. So I, you know, there was not, I was starving. He was in Jannah. <laughs> he was in Jannah. And, and that happened. And yet Allah still still accepted his repentance. We hide behind excuses, but I'm telling you, even if you don't have an excuse, even if you don't have an excuse, the door to tawbah is open, and the sunnah of Allah is established through Adam alayhi salam. There's a very powerful reason that these words are in the beginning of the Qur'an. That this story, as you go through a journey in the Qur'an, this story is the first story in the Qur'an. Because this actually is our story. This is why fataba alayhi would have been the end of the ayah. He, he came into contact with words. Allah accepted his tawbah, Allah accepted his repentance. Statement is done. Allah adds, إِنَّهُ Rahim. No doubt, he, he is the one who continuously and repeatedly accepts repentance. Wait a second. Adam salam is not making continuous mistakes. There's no reason to say that statement in the context of Adam. In the context of Adam, there's one mistake, and there's one forgiveness. Done. So why, con- why conclude the statement with, Innahu The rest of this ayah is لِلْتَّعْمِيمُ lana. It's actually to open it up for the rest of us. Listen, this is the story of Adam, but it applies to you too. I keep on accepting tawbah. I keep on accepting your mistakes. I will come back to you over and over again. You, you will make a mistake and I will forgive you. Don't take advantage of it, but don't lose hope in me. That's captured inside in Rahim. You know how we have in, in storytelling, you have the story and then you have, here are the lessons from the story. What Allah does is it's in the story the lessons are there. You don't wait till the end and then I'll tell you the lessons. It's as he tells the story, he he fills it up with lessons. The next thing I want to share with you is about Kalimat. Allah Azza wa wanted to take someone who is lost, who has lost hope, Adam alayhi salam. He's lost hope. And he wanted to give him revelation. And when when a human being has lost hope, they need the Word of Allah. But the Word of Allah is many things. The Word of Allah has warnings. The Word of Allah has description of Jahannam. The Word of Allah has description of Jannah. The Word of Allah is halal and haram. The Word of Allah describes the munafiqun. The Word of Allah describes the kuffar. The Word of Allah describes the highest, the best of the believers. It describes all kinds of things. But when somebody is at a loss of hope, which words of Allah do they need? This is the discretion that human beings or believers are supposed to have. At that time, they need the words of hope. They need the words that they can receive, that they can find that Allah Azza wa will forgive them. Unfortunately, we've forgotten that sunnah of Allah. We say, I'm sharing Qur'an. Look, the ummah by and large, the ummah is today in a state of hopelessness. Individual people think they've sinned too much that they can't find their way back to Allah. Nations, we feel about nations, we've gone so far away from Allah, we are so corrupt, we have done so much haram, and we're so politically, economically, socially, morally, ethically, you know, we're, we're corrupt, and spiritually we're corrupt on every level, that we are so far from the mercy of Allah, all that should be done now is just throw warnings at people and remind them how, on, how they're on a highway to hell. That's what you need to do right now. And I would argue, actually, when people are in a state of hopelessness, then the time, that is the time, actually, to remind them of Allah's hope. You know the word shaitan has two origins. It's argued shaitan has two origins. It can come from Shatana or shata. If it comes from Shatana, it actually means to deviate off the road. Okay, it's to deviate off the road. Meaning he was going fine and he just took a turn and then he just kept going worse and worse and worse. He spiraled out of control. And shata actually means to lose hope and then to become angry and to become engulfed in flames with anger so hopelessness turns into rage and rage engulfs you anger engulfs you a lot of people a lot of you know young men that have a sad childhood are very angry young men there's a direct correlation between sadness and and rage you know they experience trauma in their childhood or in their youth maybe from an abusive parent maybe from an abusive household or a society and it translates into them becoming very very angry you know, abrupt, violent young men. And that's actually the process of of what shaitan went through. You're supposed to put the fire out with the words of Allah. Why do you think Allah constantly describes the revelation with the parable of water? Like Qur'an is compared with the rain in the Qur'an. Why? Because water puts out fire. It takes away hopelessness. It takes away rage. It brings calmness. It gives life. It refurbishes life. And then the closest thing, the the only other parable you'll find to Revelation in the Qur'an is light. So there's either water or light. And these are the two essential components of making sure life exists on this earth. And if you look at it from another way, water is is a necessity for purification. It's a necessity for purification. And light is the absence of darkness. Light removes darkness. And all dark emotions, dark feelings... Anger, rage, hopelessness, jealousy. These are dark emotions. Light comes and it removes them. And it just sheds light on all of them and they just, you know, جَاءَ الْحَقْ وَزَهَقَ baatil. This is the role of the word of Allah and we have to restore that word, restore that role. There are people who unfortunately have an anger problem themselves. They have a disorder. They have a personality disorder. They're enraged. And they read the Qur'an and they teach the Qur'an and preach the Qur'an with the lens of rage. So all they can ever cite to you and all they can ever show you is an angry, vengeful God and an angry, vengeful religion in which your chances of going to Jannah are slim to none. You're probably not gonna make it anyway. I mean, look at you. So that, that, that's the picture that's painted. And that's unfortunate because it's not the, what the Word of Allah deserves. You have to let the word of Allah speak for itself. Yes, Allah is angry sometimes. Absolutely, we already read ala wa ala wa ala absalim." There are some people who deserve the anger of Allah, but to take that and throw it on everybody is just that's vuln. That's just vuln. That's not what the word of Allah does. So alayhi rahim. I found something very beautiful written by Ibn Ashur, rahimahullah. I'll share it with you about the idea of Tawbah. What tawbatu? He says, the, the act of tawbah is actually made up of three parts. Tawbah is made up of three parts. You can think of it like an image, uh, an, an image of a plant that has three leaves. Okay? We're not discussing the roots, we're just discussing the, what's above the ground. And he says those are knowledge, your state, your condition, and action. Knowledge, condition, and action. عِلْم, hal, amal. And what does he mean by that? فَالْعِلْمُ هُوَ مَعْرِفَةُ Knowledge means you recognize what wrong you've done. You know what you did wrong. That's the first step. Tawbah means you have to at least acknowledge what you did wrong. When somebody says, hey, you shouldn't have done that. What are you talking about? I didn't do anything wrong. Or I know it's wrong, but... And as soon as you add that but, and you justify then you don't know that you did something wrong. You still see that you were justified. But when you say, I know that was wrong. There is no justification. That's when you truly know that you've done something wrong. An admission of the sin. That's the first step. وَالْحَال وَالْحَال and the state is that you actually feel pain because of the harm you've caused yourself or harm you caused somebody else. You yourself are hurt because of what you did. You're disappointed. You feel the pain. You recognize the pain caused to yourself or caused to somebody else as a result of your action. That's hal. So, the first was knowledge, the second is the state, your own f- state of affairs. Well, nadaman, and it's also called sh- shame or embarrassment or guilt. The fact that you actually feel guilty. How can someone feel guilty and they don't even realize they've done something wrong? They don't even know that they've done something wrong. They'll never feel guilty. So, knowledge is first, and guilt, the state of guilt, is the second. And, this, the, and then the action is, for number one, to drop that sin. The action that comes after that is whatever vice you were doing, whatever wrong you were doing, now you're going to drop it. Because you feel ashamed, you won't go back to it again. Or you're going to try to attain what should be attained. There are tawbah is done for two reasons. One, you did something wrong. Two, you didn't do something you were supposed to do. Right? So if somebody, for example earned impermissible income they should make toba if someone did not give zakat they should make toba they didn't do this something they were supposed to do so now they have to fulfill that and give it make up for it you can't just say sorry you know there are people who like swindled business partners like they the 50% partner walked away with 100% disappeared for 5 years and 5 years later he calls the guy back hey man it's ramadan I've been making a lot of tawbah. I hope you can forgive me. And the guy says, I want to forgive you. Where's my 50%? No, no, no. I, I didn't call about the money. I think you should leave dunya behind. We should think about the I Just forgive me. It's like, I'm forgiving. What do you mean forgive? You're still holding on to my... You have to make up for what you did and then ask for forgiveness. You don't get to hold on to it and say, look, it's Laylatul Qadr. Let's come on. Let's just, you know. <laughs> you know. So now this, this idea of you know, uh, making up for the wrong that's been done, these are the three pieces of tawbah. Now, the next part that I want to share with you about this ayah. This supposed punishment that Adam a.s. was given, it's actually like I keep saying, it's not a punishment, and several ulama have commented on it. That it's actually عَلَى طَرِيقَةِ الْعُقُوبَاتِ التَّأْدِيبِيَةِ بِالْحِرْمَانِ Beautiful expression. Allah عز actually disciplined Adam عَلَيْهِ salam You know in English we say we discipline this child, we punish this child, and it actually means the same thing. It's not the same thing. To punish someone is to make them suffer. To discipline someone is to teach them how to avoid the mistake in the future. If you simply forgive and keep forgiving and keep forgiving and don't discipline, then what happens to the one who makes the mistake? They get addicted to making the mistake. Because they get the idea that they are it's not that bad. It's not that bad. Look, your teacher may be very forgiving. But part of his healthy forgiveness is that he also has to discipline you. I'm not going to fail you from the class. I'm not going to expel you from the school. But you will have to make up these, these assignments. Why are you punishing me? I'm not punishing you. I'm disciplining you. Punishing you would have been, you're no longer in the school. You understand? There's a difference between punishing and disciplining. What did Allah do with Adam He... Disciplined him. He disciplined Adam. He didn't punish him. This is ta'deeb. And what is, the, what is the discipline that Allah gave him? It's very powerful. He dropped him from Jannah into Dunya. By the way, does that mean he no longer has fruits to eat? Does that mean he no longer gets to see any trees? Or gets to see any rivers? Or any mountains? Or eat. No, no, he still gets all of those things, but they're not what they used to be. Isn't that the case? So he still has rizq, he still has guidance. He still has a connection to Allah. He still has life. He still has a spouse. He actually still has pretty much everything he had in Jannah, but, وَمَا عِندَ اللَّهِ خَيْرٌ وعبقى. What Allah has is better and longer lasting. Isn't that the case? So you've been, you've been given less now what are we learning about the idea of discipline even when someone's under our wing? Our students are under our wing. Our children are under our wing. When they make a mistake, what's the best way to discipline? Our idea is, yell at the top of your lungs, and somehow this child will become, you know, will become righteous if we just yell and scream. The problem with that is, children are um, very good at tuning out very loud voices when they hear them all the time. So as soon as mama's volume goes up a little too high, they're like, here we go again. And they don't hear nothing. They hear nothing. And even the mother will say, are you hearing what I'm saying? And they'll be like, yeah, yeah. yeah." They're not. They're not hearing what you're saying. What is the way to truly discipline? Actually, is to not deprive, but take away some of the luxuries. As a consequence, of doing something wrong. And nowadays, men, our children rule us. They rule us. There are children, if you were to take their iPhone away, it's like taking their oxygen supply away. <laughs> you, know, you know, they will make a scene. You can't do this to me. And they're going to bang their face into the ground. And they're going to, I'm going to die, I'm going to kill myself, I'm going to do this, I've I've read letters. I've read letters from children, written to their parents. Dad, you took my iPad away, next time you do that, I will kill myself. I asked the father, what is on the iPad? What is on there? He said he really likes angry birds. (laughs) Oh like... (laughs) He's one angry bird himself, man. That's crazy talk. The idea of you can't handle even a little bit of deprivation. A little bit is taken away from you and our children flip out. And you know what we've done as a result? We don't want to touch it. Okay, leave it, leave it, leave it. We're just going to yell and scream and let them get more and more and more. And we give them and we give them and we give them and they mess up and we give them some more and give them some more and give them some more. We are going in the reverse direction that was used by Allah to discipline Adam to bring him to the right path. We are actually facilitating the wrong path for our own children. We're facilitating it. We're saying, oh, you ate from the tree? Here's some more fruit. Just don't do it again. And he does it again. Oh, I don't want to make you cry or nothing. So here's some more fruit. This is insanity. This is ridiculous. <laughs> but that's what we've done. You know, because we can't handle. It's not punishment or beating. It's herman. It's deprivation. You don't get to enjoy the same luxuries that you, you got to enjoy. Some of those are taken away from you as part of your discipline. This is, this is embedded inside the ayah. And this is actually a very powerful way for us to learn. That's how tawbah works. I'll tell you, sometimes Allah Himself teaches that lesson. Sometimes Allah Himself decides then I'm going to teach you how to do tawbah by taking some things away from you, even in dunya. We read Surah Al-Kahaf every Friday. One gardener is very wealthy. The other gardener has assets not even worthy of being spoken of. And the gardener who's wealthy, who was, pride of his, who was proud of his assets and showed them off and assumed that he has done no wrong by claiming that Allah loves him no matter what he does. What does Allah do? Destroys his garden. But he's still alive. He could still plant the garden again. He could still remove the mess after the flood or the earthquake, whatever came, and try to irrigate this, the land again. The land is still there. His health is still there. His life is still there. What did Allah do? He gave him so that he could learn back that he needs to rely on Allah. So by the end of the story, he says, "Ya يَا la لَمُشْرِكْ بِرَبِّي ya ni taab I wish I didn't do shirk with my master. Meaning he made tawbah. Sometimes Allah will take things away just to bring you back to him. And that's good for you. But when you get too addicted and too entitled to this world, Allah even takes a little bit away. And you and I forget that when He takes away, it's so we can turn back to Him, like Adam salam <laughs> was to turn back to Him. We go even further away from Him. We go even further away. And that's the way of Iblis. Iblis was looking for entitlement. It wasn't given to him. It was given to Adam salam. <laughs> and he went even further away. So you'll, you're, you and I are gonna have to pick which road we wanna take. You know. So now, this last part, Allah Azza wa Jalla, when He did tell Adam you know, that you're gonna become wrongdoers, فَتَكُونَ مِنَ الظَّالِمِينَ It's something that, you know, what are these words? A lot of Mufassirun say, when Allah said, Allah gave Adam words, what those words are. Some assume them to be the words that are given in Surah Al-A'raf, the seventh Surah. Allah describes the same story from a different angle. And there he says, "Qala, Rabbana zulmna anfusana wa illa mtaqfirlana wa tarhamna la nakuunana min alkhassirin." Very famous du'a. Most of you have memorized it. Maybe some of you didn't know that those are actually the words of our parents. The first du'a of Istighfar in the history of humanity. Rabbana zulmna anfusana wa illa mtaqfirlana wa tarhamna la nakuunana min alkhassirin. Master, we've wronged ourselves. We've done wrong to ourselves. And if you don't cover for our mistakes, and if you don't show us love and mercy, we are absolutely going to be from those who ultimately lost. You know, he mentioned something, Ibn Ashur mentioned something about these words that I'll share with you. We have wronged ourselves. He means that, Ya Allah, we had the entire Jannah in front of us. And how wrong, what a crime we did to ourselves that we lost all of that for that one silly fruit like we ended up putting ourselves in trouble. People run after haram ways of making money, or haram ways of earning or, or acquiring pleasure, thinking that they're gonna get something more for themselves. They don't realize when they run after the disobedience of Allah in pursuit of pleasure, in pursuit of more, that the only one they're harming and the only one they're depriving is themselves. Allah Azza wa Jalla. this deen He gave us, these guidelines He gave us, are so that we have a better life. He didn't put these guidelines on us, so that we would have a difficult life. As a matter of fact, the only things he made haram on us are al-khabaith. alayhim al-khabaith. So he could make filthy, disgusting things haram on them, forbidden on them. You, you know, and, and he could make the, 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 the beautiful things, good things permissible for us. Now, finally, inshallah ta'ala, I want to share with you the, the idea of al rahim Allah says, إِنَّهُ وَالتَّوَابُ rahim in this ayah. When Allah says a rahim which we translate as always loving, caring, merciful, these are all acceptable translations of the word Rahim. Why is it here at the end? Taqibuhu bir rahim Allahu But one of the hikam in it, one of the wisdoms in it, that is, that is recorded, li rahim jara al tawab if عن عباده ضرب من Allah Azza wa Jal is basically saying He's the one who keeps coming back and accepting your tawbah because He's so much full of love all the time. It's Ar-Rahim is the reason for which he accepts your tawbah. Had he not been Ar-Rahim, he would not have been a tawwab for you. So he's explaining the reason for which he turns back to you. This should be our, our fundamental understanding of our relationship with Allah when it comes to tawbah. Allah will accept my tawbah because he loves me, because he cares for me. That's captured inside Ar-Rahim. When somebody makes tawbah, they should not say, I don't know if Allah accepted it or not. Shouldn't be saying that. You should not be saying that. When you make tawbah, when you turn to Allah, and you say, to nafsi," you know, I've done myself wrong, forgive me, that is it. That means Allah out of His love has forgiven you. Done deal. Don't look back and say, I wonder if it was good enough or not. No, 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 no. You should still keep making tawbah, but you should never assume that Allah does not accept tawbah. The only people whose tawbah Allah does not accept, Allah tells us Himself. Tawbah is not something that exists for those who keep on doing Tawbah and keep on doing sins. So you're eating some pork sandwich. I'm sorry, yeah, that's, that's not Tawbah. I don't know who you're kidding. You can't keep doing the wrong and keep making Tawbah and doing the wrong and keep making Tawbah and figure, hey, you know, it's like. I, I, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a stain, I washed it off. Another stain, I washed it off. Another stain, no, 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 you can't play with Allah like that. That's not how it works. It's not like every time you say the word tawbah, done deal. No, you have to leave. You have to do your best to leave what, what, what is uh, humiliating. Uh, finally, I said finally, that was finally about that ayah. Allah says, we said, come down from it altogether. This is the second time Allah is saying it, not the first time. He's already said it. But the first time he said it, he said, وَقُلْ ba'dukum بَعْضُكُمْ لِبَعْضٍ عَضُ. Notice there's no wow here. It's just قُلْ nahbitu مِنْهَا جَمِيعًا. This is what's called آوْدًا bid.' بِدْءٍ We're going back to where we started. In other words, it's not a separate we said, it's going back to that scene. This is a little bit t- tough to understand. Pay attention and you'll get it. Inshallah, it's something beautiful. The Quran, the storytelling of the Quran is actually close in some ways. It, we, we have an easier chance understanding it. Because, unfortunately, we watch movies. So what happens in movies is sometimes you have a scene, and then they cut to a scene in the future. And then they cut back to the scene in the past. Okay? So they leave the scene halfway, they take you 10 years into the future, and then they take you 10 years back in the past again, and finish that scene. This actually, this transfer of, or or travel through time, is something that actually happens in the Qur'an all the time. Allah azza wa jal was you know, talking to Adam alayhi salam, Hawa salamun alayha in Jannah, telling them, come down from here. Come down from here. Then the story moves forward, they came down, they're on the earth. Then they come into contact with the words of Allah. Then they make tawbah. Allah accepts their tawbah. All of that was happening where? In Jannah or on the earth? That was happening on the earth. Now let me take you back to Jannah. I'm not done with that scene yet. So we're going back to that scene again. قُلْ نَهْبِطُ مِنْهَ hajamiya we said, come down from here altogether. Why go back to that scene? It is as though Allah is saying, that when you, go, when you think about that scene in the world, where I gave you words and you made tawbah, you won't understand what happened and why that happened until you go back to another missing scene from Jannah. So I mean, let me tell you that scene, and you can go back to the ayah and go, oh, that's how that works." So what is this ayah? He says, come down from here altogether. If and when, then if and when, especially from me and only from me, any kind of guidance whatsoever comes to you. If you get any kind of guidance whatsoever from me, فَمَنْ Then whoever were to follow my guidance, فَلَا خَوْفٌ عَلَيْهِمْ وَلَا هُمْ Those are the people that are not going to be afraid. They're not going to be in fact the ones, they're not going to be the ones that are suffering with sadness. This is the promise of Allah, if ever guidance comes to you from me. So he's sending Adam a.s. He hasn't even sent him down yet. And he says to him, listen, as you go, watch out. You're enemies to each other. But let me tell you, and by the way, when you're enemies to each other, what do enemies do to each other? They attack each other. They hurt each other. And you're supposed to be afraid of your enemy. And if your enemy was successful in hurting you, you are sad that they caused you pain. The two feelings you get from your enemy before the attack is fear, and after the attack is grief, yes? Khawf and huzn Allah says, yes, you will be enemies to each other, but I'm gonna give you something that will get rid of those two things. What two things? Fear and sadness. Whenever some guidance comes to you from me, Whoever follows that guidance, despite having whatever enemies in the world, the legions of shayateen, the endless kuffar being your enemies, it won't matter, you won't ever feel fear, you won't ever ever feel grief. That's my promise to you, if any guidance comes to you from me. Now go back to the ayah of dunya. What is the guidance that Allah gave him? Allah gave him hope. The first step of guidance is what? Is hope. Is to turn back to Allah and just ask for forgiveness. And he said, what is the call of, this, of Islam to the world? What is the call of Islam to humanity? As a matter of fact, it's one simple call. People should ask forgiveness. That's it. That's it. And that's not just here. It's everywhere. You know, Ibrahim alayhi salam is the center of our religion. Rasulullah Fulfill the legacy of Ibrahim alayhi salam. I'm I'm breaking the surprise to you. The center of the surah is Ibrahim alayhi salam. The center of the surah is Ibrahim alayhi salam. Our entire religion revolves around Ibrahim alayhi salam. Ibrahim alayhi greatest contribution is he built the what, the Kaaba, and you know what the purpose of the Kaaba is—that people can come and they can worship Allah and seek what, forgiveness. When Fath Makkah was promised. The Prophet ﷺ was finally going to clean up the Kaaba once again, open to humanity once again for the worship of one God alone. Allah says, So Allah can forgive. The middle of Surah al fatih The end of Surah al fatih The entire idea of conquering Mecca and cleansing the House of Allah. Restoring the role of the house built by Ibrahim a.s. So people can earn forgiveness. What is your motivation for going to hajj? What's your motivation? Forgiveness. Everything forgiven. Forgiven, clean slate when you go to make hajj. The entire religion revolves around this idea. It revolves around this idea. So when we learn here, what is the call of Islam? What is the ultimate guidance of Islam to humanity? It is actually for human beings to want to come back to Allah and apologize to him for messing up. That if you have that, you have everything. And if you don't have that, you don't have anything. You don't have anything. Do you imagine why Rasulullah says that he he asks Allah for istighfar 70 times in a day and more? Why would he? Because he understands this is the religion. Istighfar is the religion. That is actually when you truly understand Allah as your Rabb and you are his Abd, you are constantly in a state of seeking His forgiveness. You're seeking that. And when you do that, everything falls into place. Everything falls into place. You are filled with hope. You are given protection from Allah. You know this guidance? Allah says, لَا خَوْفُونَ عَلَيْهِمْ وَلَا هُمْ Now we're learning. In a time of fitna, there are people worried in America, if Trump becomes president. I don't know what's gonna happen with the Muslims. I'm already starting to look at real estate in Canada you know and there there are people that are worried about the state of affairs of the muslims and the politics that are happening around the world and the policies that are being made and the, the aggressive you know attitudes towards muslims and the way we're being smeared in the media and all of it we need some kind of protection which politician will come and protect us which group can come and protect us which block which organization which policy you know which advocacy can protect us in the at the end of the day allah azza wa jalla is describing that his guidance protects his guidance protects. And the further you get from the word of Allah, you can be as politically active as you want. You're not gonna have protection. Protection only comes from Allah's book. The ones who hold on to it, لا عليهم ولا هم يحسنون. They're not gonna have any fear. They're not gonna have any grief. This is the beauty of the kalam of Allah in these ayat. فَإِمَّا يَأْتِيَنَّكُمْ مِنِّي هُدًا Couple more comments about this ayah, inshallah. This is all we'll do today. Tomorrow we wrap up the entire story and give an overview. It's really exciting, uh, inshallah. But about this ayah, I do, I do want to share with you, uh, inshallah, that when he says, فَإِمَّا يَأْتِيَنَّكُمْ Actually, you can say in Arabic, إِنْ يَأْتِكُمْ. But he says, the is زائدة, توقيدن, And then يأتي becomes يَأْتِيَنَّ in English would mean Emphasizer on top of emphasizer on top of emphasizer. So put this in English translation, you would say, if at all, at all, at all, any guidance whatsoever comes to you from me, like Allah did not say that lightly And he said, any guidance. You know what that means? Throughout human history, every child of Adam, at some point, was exposed to something from guidance. Maybe not all of guidance. Maybe not a full book. Maybe not the entire Torah, or the Injil. Maybe not a messenger in the flesh. But some piece of guidance. Some little bit of shukr. Some little bit of sabr. Some little bit of istighfar. Little snippets of guidance. Whoever can hold on to whatever guidance they got. Then I will protect them. I will secure them. Think about what Allah did for Habul kahf in Surah Al kahf These young men don't know any prophets. They don't know any book. They don't know any book. They don't know anything about the Akhirah or angels or they have no ilm like this. All they know is, All they know is, Our King. And our town is obsessed with Greek mythology. They worship Zeus, Apollo, Armides. They worship those gods. We cannot do that. We believe there's only one creator, one master. That's it. That's the only guidance Allah gave them. That's it. They they had no other guidance. And can you imagine what Allah did for them? He protected them. And He secured them from grief. When it was impossible to protect these people. It was impossible to protect them. Now imagine that when they had just one tiny little piece of guidance, all they had was La ilaha illallah. That's all they had. They had nothing else. You and I have the entire kalam of Allah. We have the full speech of Allah that stands tall to protect, that gives us security. And if we fail to seek Allah's protection from this word, then that's our fault. By the way, that promise of Allah, any guidance. That word is repeating itself, isn't it? Because the surah began, Why is it repeating itself? Allah is actually telling us implicitly that the final installation of that promise has now been fulfilled. As Adam was coming from the heavens to the earth, he was told, Look, seek out guidance. Seek out guidance. It'll help you, it'll protect you. And Allah kept sending guidance throughout the ages, throughout the nations. He sent guidance one way or the other. And then finally, the last chapter of Allah's guidance has been sent, and that's this book. And by the way, as an extension of this book, it is the people who carry this book. So if you're wondering, how come the Aborigines don't have guidance? How come the people in the middle of South America don't have guidance? How come the you know, several African nations don't have guidance? How come the European nations don't have guidance? The question is, how come we haven't shared it with them? Not, how come they don't have it? It's, Allah is not going to give them like a mobile device and they can download it themselves. Allah sent this ummah. This ummah was supposed to carry it to them. Ibrahim alayhi salam does not complain to Allah, or Rasulullah or any, sahaja, any, any, any messenger doesn't complain to Allah, Ya Allah, why don't these people have guidance? They knew, my job is to give it to them. My job is to share it with them. Allah has sent us Ummah to share the guidance with the rest of humanity. Instead of developing a hatred for the people who have power today, people who have you know, a civilization today. We look at them and we feel bad about ourselves. How come the Muslims are behind and these kuffar are ahead? They're not kuffar, they're human beings. And those human beings deserve the message of guidance. And if they haven't received it, that's our fault. And if we haven't been able to give it to them the way they should have received it, then we have only ourselves to blame. This is فَإِمَّا يَأْتِيَنَّكُمْ مِنِّي هُدَانٍ Whoever might follow my guidance, and that's in this last minute, whoever might follow it, these could be enemies of Islam. The moment they follow it, Allah's security falls on them. And this has happened before. The, the, the Ottoman Empire is supposed to be the pride of the Muslims. The Ottoman Empire, before they became the Ottoman Empire, weren't even Muslims. These were the people who massacred Muslims, and after massacring and making piles of the heads of scholars, in the middle of city centers, mass murderers, then Allah gave them the gift of Islam. And those same people became the carriers of Islam for centuries. So the people you think are the enemies of Islam, the only thing keeping them from being the guardians of Islam is the message of this deen. This Islam is not a race, it's not a nationality, it's not a, it's not a skin color, it's not a, it's not a continent, it's a message. And that message does not discriminate who it reaches. So we know there is no race that is condemned and they will never have guidance. May Allah protect us from thinking in this way. May Allah Azza wa Jal make us the carriers of His guidance and bless humanity with the power of this message. Barakallahu li wa lakum fil Quran al Hakim wa nafani wa إياkum bil ayati wa al Hakim.